On today's episode, we get into the next of Grimm's fairy tales, titled Hair Fix It Up. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast where we show that fairy tales and folklore were way more fun back when they were super dark and completely insane. Back before modern movies and TV shows cleaned them up all to make them more family-friendly. Back then, families were telling each other these crazy, dark, violent stories to teach them life lessons, and you know what? They were way more entertaining back then. And they probably did a better job of teaching kids how insane the world is. So here at Shadow Bear, we're going to take it back to those old days and get into the original insane versions of all the fairy tales and folk tales that set the stage for the movies, TV shows, books that we know and love today. So we're going straight through Grimm's fairy tales from one to, I don't know, however many Grimm's fairy tales there are. And today is the 16th Grimm's fairy tale titled Hair Fix It Up. Hair, being spelled H-E-R-R, basically means Mr. in, like, old-timey German. So, Mr. Fix-It-Up. We begin. Fix-It-Up had been a soldier for a long time. When the war came to an end, however, and there was nothing but the same old things to do every day, he resigned from the army and decided to become a servant for a great lord. There would be clothes trimmed with gold, a lot to do, and always new things happening, so he set out on his way and came to a foreign court, where he saw a lord taking a walk in the garden. Fix-It-Up did not hesitate. He moved briskly over to the lord and said, "'Sir, I'm looking for employment with a great lord. If your majesty is himself such a person, it would give me great pleasure to serve you. There's nothing I don't know or can't do.' I know just how to carry out orders, no matter how they are given. So Hair Fixed Up is confident, bordering on insufferably arrogant. Fine, my son, the lord said, I'd be pleased to have you. First tell me, what do I desire right now? It was a bold test for someone you just met. Without answering, Fixed Up spun around, rushed away, and returned with a pipe and tobacco. Okay, but to the Lord, he would have asked him, what do I desire right now? And Fix It Up would have just immediately turned and run away. In that moment, the Lord was probably like, I'm never going to see that guy again. But he returns with a pipe and tobacco, and the Lord says, fine, my son, you are hired as my servant. Guess the dude just wanted to smoke. But now I'm going to command you to get Princess Nomini, the most beautiful maiden in the world. I want to have her for my wife. This is quite a step up from go get me some smokes. All right, said Fix-It-Up, that's a trifle for me. Your majesty shall soon have her. Just give me a coach drawn by six horses, a coachman, guards, couriers, servants, and a cook, all in full dress. I myself must have princely garments and everyone must obey my commands. Well, if Fix-It-Up is a con man, then he just pulled one hell of an operation. All he had to do was get this guy a pipe and tobacco, and he gets given a million servants and a coach. But if I know Fix-It-Up, 
I'm guessing he is more honor-bound than that. So soon they departed, fixed it up, the servant sat inside the coach, which headed straight toward the beautiful princess's court. When the road came to an end, they drove into a field and soon reached the edge of a large forest filled with many thousands of birds. A boisterous song soared splendidly into the blue air. Stop, stop, exclaimed Fix-It-Up. Don't disturb the birds. They are praising their creator and will serve me some other time. Let's go to the left. All right, so he's not even going to go into the forest because birds are singing? Seems like an overreaction, but I'm sure it will pay off. So the coachman had to turn and drive around the forest. I'm sure that wasn't annoying and inconvenient. Soon after, they came to a large field where close to a thousand million ravens were sitting and crying shrilly for food. A thousand million ravens. It's a billion ravens. Stop, stop, exclaimed Fix-It-Up. Untie one of the horses way up front. Lead it into the field and slaughter it so that the ravens can eat. I don't want them to suffer from hunger. What the fuck is this guy's deal with birds? I'm gonna be honest, he's, he's doing a terrible job of getting this mission done. He's taken them wildly off course, wasted a ton of time, and now he's killed one of their horses. And they are no closer to accomplishing their goal. After the ravens had eaten... By the way, one horse isn't even going to make a dent in feeding a billion ravens. Ugh. After the ravens had eaten, the journey continued, and they came to a pond with a fish in it that was moaning and groaning. Quote, For God's sake, I have nothing to eat in this terrible swamp. Throw me into a running river, and I'll repay your deed one day. So it's a talking fish. Before the fish could even finish speaking, Fix-It-Up had exclaimed, Stop, stop! Of course he did. Cook, put the fish in your apron. Coachman, drive it to a running river. Now they're going even further off course to get to this river. Fix-It-Up himself got out and threw the fish into the water, and the fish flapped its tail in joy. Now get the horses going, said Fix-It-Up. We must arrive at the designated spot by evening. Oh, now he wants to hurry? I'd be annoyed as hell if I were this coachman. He takes us so far off course just to avoid singing birds and take a fish to a river. And now he's saying chop chop? Come on. When he reached the royal residence, he drove straight to the best inn, where the innkeeper and all his people came out and welcomed him in their best manners, thinking that a foreign king had arrived, though it was only a servant. Fix-It-Up had himself announced at the royal court, where he endeavored to make a good impression and court the princess. Did he announce himself as Hair Fix-It-Up? If so, they probably thought he was some traveling salesman coming through to sell them a bunch of DIY equipment. My son, said the king, many such suitors have already been turned away because they couldn't perform the tasks I assigned them to win my daughter. All right, said Fix-It-Up, set any kind of hard task that you want me to do. I've ordered a quarter of a liter of poppy seeds to be sown in a field. If you can gather them so that not one kernel is missing, you shall have the princess for your wife. Ho ho, Fix-It-Up thought. That's not much for me. He then took a measuring cup, a sack, and snow-white sheets, went out to the field, and spread the sheets next to the field where the seeds had been sown. Soon after, 
Those birds whose singing he had left undisturbed in the forest arrived, and they picked up the seeds, kernel after kernel, and carried them to the white sheets. How did he communicate that he wanted that to happen? You can't just sit by the sheets and wait, and a bunch of birds from another forest fly over and like, oh, he wants us to pick up all these poppy seeds. And if a bunch of seeds get thrown into a field, those birds would have eaten those seeds a long time ago. In any event, somehow the birds are now psychically connected to fix it up, so they come and pick up the seeds. When the birds had picked up all of them, fix it up poured them into the sack, took the measuring cup under his arm, went to the king, and measured out the poppy seeds for him. Now he thought the princess was already his, but he was wrong. One more thing, my son, said the king. My daughter has recently lost her golden ring. You must return it to me before you can have her. Fix it up did not get upset. Let your majesty show me the river and bridge where the ring was lost, then I shall soon return it to you. This guy is super confident, and he's definitely already thinking back. Man, I hope that fish is there. When Fix-It-Up was brought there, he looked down, and there he saw the fish that he had thrown into the river. What a coincidence. It stuck its head out into the air and said, Wait a moment, I'll dive below. A whale has the ring underneath its fins, and I'll fetch it. A whale? They're in a river. Indeed. Well, I don't know how this fish even plans on performing this type of heist, stealing a ring from a whale. But indeed, the fish soon returned and tossed the ring onto the shore. Fix-It-Up brought it to the king, but the latter replied, Now just one more thing. There's a unicorn in the forest, and it's been causing a great deal of damage. If you can kill it, there's nothing more you'll have to do. I'm sorry. Kill a unicorn? Since when are unicorns bad? They're talking about this unicorn like it's a pest. It's just out there in the forest, running around, causing a bunch of trouble. Aren't unicorns revered, magical creatures? Jesus. Fix-It-Up did not get very upset here either. Instead, he went straight into the forest, where he came across the ravens whom he had once fed. Of course. Just have a little more patience, they said. The unicorn is lying down sleeping. But it's not on the side where you can see its eye. Doesn't it have an eye on both sides? When it turns over, we'll peck out its good eye. Then it'll be blind and run furiously against trees and get itself stuck with its horn. That's when you'll be able to kill it easily. What a fucking horrifying plan. Also, how much damage could this unicorn really be causing in the forest? It's just a horse in a forest. How much trouble could that be? Soon the beast tossed itself around a few times and lay on its other side. All at once, the raven swooped down and pecked out its good eye. When it felt the pain, it jumped up and ran wildly around the forest. This is horrifying. After it got its horn stuck in a thick oak tree, oh god, fix it up, jumped out, cut off its head, and brought it to the king, who could no longer deny him his daughter. 
She was delivered to fix it up who took a seat next to her in the coach. He was in full dress, just as he had come, presumably with a bunch of unicorn blood on it now, and immediately drove off and brought the lovely princess to his lord. Fix-It-Up was given a fine reception, and the lord's wedding with the princess was celebrated in great splendor. How does that work? Can he just say, no, you're not marrying me, you're just going to marry this guy who I work for? Because he definitely did all of those tasks under the guise that he was going to be marrying the daughter, and that seemed to be the deal with the king. If you can accomplish these tasks, then you are worthy of marrying my daughter. The guy who she's marrying is not the guy who's accomplishing the tasks. Is, does that mean the deal is off? This seems, this seems shifty. This seems shady. seems not cool from Fix It Up. The king's probably going to be super pissed, and there's going to be a new war for Fix It Up to get in the middle of. So he'll be back to being a soldier soon, I guess. So the princess was celebrated in great splendor, this wedding. Then Fix-It-Up was appointed Prime Minister. Sure, why not? Everyone in the company to whom this tale was told wished to be at the celebration. One person wanted to be chambermaid, the other wardrobe attendant, someone wanted to be a chamber servant, another the cook, and so on. The End What a weird, rambly way to end the story. Everyone who heard this story in the kingdom wanted to work for Fix-It-Up. That's how they That's how they ended it. Just end it with him being appointed prime minister and say, and all was well in the realm. Under his steady hand, and apparently his only superpower, which is the ability to understand and communicate with and command birds, who he gets to owe him favors, I guess. So they help him pick up seeds, and murder unicorns? That's a huge escalation. Murdering a unicorn. Oh, pick up some seeds. Okay, fine. Thanks, thanks, birds. Oh, go get this ring. Oh, well, luckily I helped out a fish yesterday. Oh, murder this unicorn. Murder this cherished magical creature. There's gotta be repercussions for that. There's gotta be some type of karmic thunder coming down on fix-it-up. And there's no hesitation, either. It's just the unicorn was causing trouble. This has to be the only story where the hero murders a unicorn. And he really does it for no good reason. He does it so that he can get some lady who he doesn't know to marry some guy who he also doesn't really know. There's no good reason to be doing any of this. He's just bored. That's his entire motivation. That's the entire motivation for this folktale. Fix it up is bored. He won a war, and now he's got nothing to do, so he's got to wander the countryside, making friends with birds and murdering unicorns. Also, so many birds. A billion ravens? Are there a billion ravens? Even in the world? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look this up. How many ravens? 16 million, about. 16 million ravens in the entire known world as it is. So whatever world this is, there's many, many times that. And they're all in this one large field. And apparently, we're so happy that Fix-It-Up gave them a horse. 
which probably was only enough to satisfy maybe 50 ravens, maybe 100, maybe 200 ravens, if we're being generous. There's a billion ravens, and they're so grateful for this that they literally help him plan and execute a murder plot on a unicorn. Man, I'm going to be honest, I don't like any of the people in the story. Don't like Fix It Up? The Lord is fine. He's not really doing anything. He's just sort of hanging out, and this guy shows up. And was like, hey, I'm really bored. Can I help you? Can I work for you? He also could just be some random guy in, in that area. Maybe he was a gardener or something. He just happened to be taking a stroll. Fix It Up shows up, super bored, like, hey, can I help you? He says, fine, yeah, go go get the most beautiful woman in the world for me to marry. That would that'd be pretty helpful. Could you do that? Fix it up is like, immediately, I'm on it. Let's go, let's go make it happen. And he does. Can't fault him for being effective. But apparently his only real capability is by being able to make friends with animals and somehow get them to do him favors. What is the lesson here? I think the intended lesson is be kind and respectful because you don't know who might be able to help you in the future. But the ways he's being kind and respectful are bullshit. He's just not going into a forest because birds are singing. A horrible reason not to go into the forest. They're just going to be singing all the time. And I don't, I've never got the sense that birds were particularly bothered by me passing by far below them. Then he gives a bunch of ravens a horse to eat. Maybe the horse could have helped you. Maybe the horse could have made friends with the unicorn and just said, hey, maybe cause a little bit less of a ruckus because the king over there wants to murder you. So just settle down a little bit and then we won't have to kill you. Maybe if Fix It Up hadn't murdered the horse, then he'd actually be able to solve the problem without murder. Because there are talking animals here. So maybe he could just tell the horse, hey, go talk to that unicorn. And presumably he has other horses. But maybe the horse that he killed was like, the super charismatic, you know, convincing horse that would have been able to get the unicorn to knock it off and just settle down. But no, he murders the horse to give to the ravens, the billion ravens. And then he helps a fish who's in a pond go to a river. How did the fish end up there to begin with? I don't know. I mean, it's a good message, be nice to everybody, because you don't know when it might come in handy to have a bunch of people ready to help you. It's a good message. Fine, I support that. But I sure as hell do not support this story as a way of showing that. Because there are way better ways of solving these problems. Also, why do you? there's no reason to really be doing this. So this lord can marry this lady? Who the fuck is this lord? Who the hell is this lord? Why are we helping him? He could be a monster. Why are you going through all this effort and killing unicorns to get him a hot wife? Being bored is a very poor character motivation is I guess my point, and not a good reason to be doing all this bullshit. So I think the better lesson is make sure you're doing something for the right reasons. Yeah. If you embark on a quest, if you embark on any sort of undertaking, make sure it's for the right reasons, and you know why you're doing it, and it's a good reason why you're doing it. And if at some point in that quest you're confronted with a kill-the-unicorn situation, where you have to do something horrible to continue the quest, then definitely reconsider, is this quest worth it? Is this end goal worth killing the unicorn? I think this story actually would be much more powerful 
if he kills the unicorn, and then there are horrible repercussions because of that, and then he realizes, oh, I was so blind, I just wanted to get the job done. I wasn't considering whether it should be done to begin with, and I, at no point was I considering, sure, I might be trying to complete this job, but at what cost? Is it worth it? Because I think the vast majority of people would think no. But no, Fix It Up just has to complete the job at any costs. So yeah, I think that's the, right, the real message. For in, in any undertaking, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. And if you're ever confronted with a kill the unicorn situation, take a good look in the mirror and ask yourself, is it worth it? Is this right? That's the real message. All right, let's adapt it. Hair Fix It Up will be played by Matt Barry. I think he'd be fantastic for this. He's a great blindly confident, blustery individual. He'd play it perfectly. Super great at everything, just kind of breezes through life and co- accomplishes everything easily and intuitively. I think this would be best as like a miniseries or, or a, I don't know, maybe eight parts. You could get a decent amount of time out of this. And it starts with Matt Barry as a soldier just killing it on the battlefield. No pun intended, but he's just super great at literally everything. Charges all over the battlefield, jumps off the horse, literally just like runs through the army, and then just punches the opposing general in the face, and then takes his sword out and just stabs him, and then stabs him, and then he falls on the ground, and then just stabs him and stabs him and stabs And it's just he's just amazing at everything war. And we could do that for the first half of the first like hour-long episode. And then he wins the war, and whoever he's fighting the war for or with, they all get together, and they say, great, we won. And Fixed Up says, okay, what do we do now? And they say, well, the war's over, we can just relax. And Matt Berry says, right, I quit. And he just puts his hat down, his army hat, I don't know, and leaves. And he sets out on a new adventure and comes onto a court where he sees someone walking in the garden, and that is Lord Donald Glover. And he says, you there, you look like a great lord. I'd love to serve you. I'm very good at everything. Give me something to do and I'll do it. And Donald Glover looks around skeptically, like, who the hell is this insane person? He's like, all right, but what, what do I want right now? And Matt Berry just immediately gets back onto his horse and runs away. And Donald Glover, of course, thinks he's gone, never going to see him again. But he returns back with a pipe and tobacco. Donald Glover's like, all right, come on in. They're hanging out at the castle. Donald Glover's talking about Princess Namini over in a nearby castle or kingdom. And Matt Berry says, I'll get her for you. I'm fix it up. I could do anything. Donald Glover says, no, I don't think you realize that this, the king, her dad, is insane. He's talking all kinds of bullshit all the time. There's, there's no way. No, one, no one's ever going to marry her. And Matt Berry says, I'll do it. I can make it happen. I just picture, and I can hear him already. I could just watch Donald Glover and Matt Berry riff in any situation indefinitely. Love it. And so he gives Matt Berry, the coachman, the guards, the servants, the cook, all of it. And they go out. And we'll have, we need like a main, a main servant. We'll do the coachman. That'll be um, Charlie Day. Charlie Day would be great. Uh, Another person that Matt Berry could just riff with 
all day, every day, and I'd be here loving every minute of it. And so they set out, Matt Berry, looking all princely, come up to the forest. Matt Berry shouts to stop, stop, don't disturb the birds. They go around. Charlie Day is very confused. Say, what, why, what do you mean, the birds? Matt Berry insists. Much to Charlie's confusion, it's like, all right, fine, we'll go around the entire forest. Might take a while, but all right, you're, you're the boss here. I mean, technically, you're a serpent like me, but Donald Glover said you're the boss for this particular expedition, so all right, I'll listen to you. Even though, basically, the only thing you've done to establish your credibility at this point is just retrieve a pipe. I don't know why you're leading us when that's literally all you've done to show your effectiveness, but here we are. Let's continue. Then they see the forest with just so many ravens. Matt Berry says, stop. Let's give them one of our horses. Charlie says, no, that's one of our horses. We can't just give them a horse. It's going to majorly impact our ability to travel efficiently. It's a, it's a whole horse, you know. We don't have those just lying around here. We can't just give them to the birds. Matt Berry says, nope, kill them. Kill the horse. Throw it to the ravens. They're hungry. Charlie's like, I, what is this guy's deal with birds? Then they find the fish, who no one hears the voice except for Matt Berry. I think that would be the funniest thing if literally no one could hear the voices of these animals and of the fish other than Matt Berry, and he's just ordering people around based on what he thinks the animals want. So they put the fish back into the river. Matt Berry seems very pleased with this, much to the confusion of all of the servants. And then they get to the kingdom where King Martin Short would be fantastic. He's a great, always sort of kingly type character. And then they proceed with the tasks, finally getting to the unicorn task. And Charlie Day looks on in horror as the ravens peck the unicorn's eyes out. It runs around, impales itself into a tree, and Matt Berry just jumps in, cuts his head off, and then calls Charlie over to help him pull the bloody head out of the tree because its head is spiked in there, so it's like stuck in the tree. So then Matt Berry and Charlie Day are, are struggling to, to pull it out from the oak tree. And then King Martin Short says, All right, you've done all the tasks. I cannot deny you my daughter and Princess Aubrey Plaza. Then shows up, and all together they go back to the kingdom. And thankfully, Don McGlover and Aubrey Plaza really hit it off, and she doesn't really understand Matt Berry's whole deal, so she is really not bummed or disappointed at all that she's not going to have to marry Matt Berry, that she's actually marrying super awesome Donald Glover. And so they get together, but Charlie Day is super disillusioned by the horrors that he just witnessed and realizes, what are we doing this for? I don't want to be on the side that's killing unicorns and ask Donald Glover if he can leave his employ and make his own way and, and go on his own adventures. And so Matt Berry stays and just has more shenanigans and adventures in the employ of Donald Glover. But Charlie Day goes out to explore new realms and, and he goes on his own adventures and maybe he works his way to Martin Short. And that's how word gets back to Martin Short that Aubrey Plaza didn't actually marry Matt Berry. That was all just a plan to get Aubrey Plaza for Donald Glover, and then Martin Short gets mad, and then Charlie Day is in the middle of it, and he has to have some sort of negotiating role, and there's a war between Martin Short's kingdom and Donald Glover's kingdom, and Matt Berry 
he's super soldier apparently. So he's like ready to go. And Charlie day is put in a big position and given a high status because he worked for Donald Glover. So he knows all about their kingdom and all about how they operate. And so he gets a big title in King Martin shorts kingdom. And then season two is battle of the kingdoms. Donald Glover kingdom versus Martin short kingdom. So there we go. That's how I do it. I would actually love to watch that show. Yeah, I'm into it. That's how we do it. Contact every single one of the people I just mentioned on Twitter. Let them know we're making this happen. So that will do it for this week's episode of the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. I know you've got adaptation ideas as well. Send those to me over on Twitter or Instagram. would love to hear them. You can head on over to ShadowBearStorySessions.com. You can donate. You can contact me. Send me some feedback or suggestions. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. All that stuff really helps us out. And next week, we'll be back with a story titled The White Snake. The White Snake. Thanks for listening. We love you. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.